you're being handed a card right now. It's a picture of my family. It's my wife and I in the front, and our children are on the back. And this is called a prayer card. And that means uh, pray for these people because we represent uh, working with university students primarily in Europe but in other countries of the world as well. And we were went to Germany 35 years ago when there was an iron curtain that you read about in the history books. And there was a West Germany and an East Germany. I used to drive to the border between East and West Germany. The road ends, you park your car, you get out, and you walk towards this barbed wire fence. Actually, there's three of them. And there's a no man's land between the fences, and it's mined. If you walk in the mines, you blow up. There's uh, guard dogs that are free in that area, called Schäferhund, German Shepherds. And there's uh, watchtowers, and every guard has, of course, his weapon. He has binoculars around his neck, and he uh, often have a camera. And I'd walk up, and it says, don't walk any further, or you'll get shot. So there's, a, there's a, just a single wire. Don't step over that wire. You even get close to the fence. And that was called the Iron Curtain. That was a phrase that uh, Winston Churchill coined at, I think, uh, Westminster College in uh, somewhere, a small college in Missouri. And he coined that name, Iron Curtain. You can Google it and see that. And I'd stand there and pray. And it'd be so quiet that I could hear the shutter of the camera as the guard photographed me. And if I drove the corridor through East Germany to Berlin, which is an island of democracy in the middle of East Germany, I would go to the Brandenburg Gate. You can Google that. It's a very famous victorious arch that all countries have in their capital city to show how they've conquered through war. And there's a wooden platform there that you can walk up on, and it's, a, it's a, on a street called Unter den Linden, a very famous street. And uh, right to the left of me was a Russian soldier. They're still there, standing by the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier from World War II, where they have an eternal flame. And they have tanks set up there as memorials, and some of you perhaps seen that. And it was like a John Le Carre spy movie. And I'd walk up on this platform, and then the platform enabled me to be able to see over the Berlin Wall that you've heard about, I hope. And that divided East Berlin from West Berlin. And at different places along that wall are markers. And it, and it gives a name and the age of the people that tried to uh, flee for freedom. And uh, this is where they died. And they'd be your age. And I would stand up there in the fog, 10, 11 at night. I'd be there again alone. And I'd stand there. And the guards on top of the Brandenburg Gate are looking down at me. And they have their binoculars on me. And again, I can hear the cameras go click, click. And I could look over that wall, down the deserted. West Berlin was alive and decadent, and crazy. And East Germany was dark and quiet. And I'd look over that wall to where there was not freedom.
and I'd pray. November, November 8 and 9 of 1991 and 1989, that wall came down overnight. It didn't come from Department of Defense or the Allied Forces. It came because God said, it's enough. And that's God that's here tonight. And little did I know that someday my son, who's on the far end, and I have a German son-in-law in a blue shirt on the other end, and my oldest son, John, who's 39 years of age and does this kind of work in Germany because he grew up in Germany. His first language is German. And he lived down that street by Alexanderplatz, if some of you have been to former East Berlin. And he, he, he did student ministry. And I'd go from bulletin board to bulletin board on the Humboldt University. Alexander von Humboldt is the inventor of geography, of the field of geography. Google it and read for yourself. And I would, I would, um, he would go from to bulletin board to bulletin board in these incredible historic buildings with Nobel Prize statues on the wall and always historical markers everywhere. And, and the place uh, not outside where they burn the books and, and there's a flame there that burns during the Nazi era, era during World War II. And then a famous poet said, uh, first they'll burn the books, and later on they'll burn the people. And it's prophetic of what happened during the Holocaust because those concentration camps are there. I've visited them. You need to see this stuff and experience it to have it affect your life. So movie stars and film and sports and your idols that you have in this country will continue to drop down and diminish or wealth or power or fame. And you'll, and you'll pick up the cross like Jesus says to the Christian daily and you'll follow me. And you'll make your life matter. And you'll have a legacy to leave behind because before you know it, you'll be my age. And my days are short. And so we're going to talk tonight about uh, mission a little bit in the few minutes I have. But these of my children are scattered all over the world. I have one son, a tall guy with his wife that are, work for Department of Defense in D.C., but the rest live in Turkey. And, and in the lower corner was Live Dead Silk Road. My daughter and her husband are leading that in Istanbul, Turkey. And if you want to see some dedicated people, So watch my daughter turn gray in her 30s. I see the lines come on her face. She's already lived four hard years in Central Asia, in Kyrgyzstan. She knows Russian fluently. She's working on her sixth language now. You want to go be with some dedicated people. And you, if you think this is romantic, you're dreaming. But adventuresome, absolutely. Because you see, God's not boring. You are, but not God. And so if you want to live a life, whether he keeps you in Morgantown for the rest of your days or wherever he might send you, but he's going to send a bunch of you to go and the rest of you are going to stay and you're going to live below your means 
You're not going to do the American dream, not as a follower of Christ, who had no place to lay his head. Even though you can afford it someday with your college education, you're not going to get a 5,000-square-foot or 4,000-square-foot house with a three-stall garage and all the toys that you have in it and garage sales to kind of keep all the burden down. You're not going to do that. You're going to sacrifice like the people that say, I'll go. Because they're depending on you, like I do. And the people I worked with in Chi Alpha 50 years ago support me that long every single month. Because when I get through this tour of visiting these groups for a couple more weeks, I head for Shanghai, China. And I travel to China twice a year. And I travel all over the world. Why? Because I'm good? No. No. There's just nobody willing to do it. And I need to be replaced. And that's why I'm here tonight. So let's look quickly at this. So please, uh, you don't need to take this home with you, but I would, I would be honored if you would and pray for these people. You can look on Facebook for Silk Road Live Dead, and you can cue right in on one of those teams. Central Asia is a Stan countries. Stan means land of. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, okay? Pakistan, Afghanistan, Stan, land of. Land of the Kyrgyz, land of the Kazakhs. That's what Stan means. They just got their independence in 1991. Before that, they were a great big part of this gigantic piece of map that said USSR, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. But in 91, they got their own flag, they got their constitution, they got their identity, they got some freedom, some freedom. But communist rulers are back, in, and most of these are uh, Muslim nations. And, and a lot of these countries are absolutely close to any one of you trying to walk into their border and talk to them about Christ. However, these people are scattered all over the road, uh, world, and they might even be in this room tonight. And you have an opportunity in this country, in this freedom, and I hope you take advantage of that opportunity. Quickly, let's look at that. Let's look at the uh, slides I have here. So this is, I'm going to read a little bit, and I'm going to read from the word, I'll tell you another story, and I'll be through. Next, please. There's one God. And he said in Timothy, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a man named Timothy in the New Testament. There's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man. There's one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for us all. In other words, Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And he became our sacrifice that we could have access to God because God loves us so much. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. Most of you know that verse in this room. You can say it with me. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This campus needs to hear that word. That is life. There is no more important message to be taught on this property, that they have an opportunity for their eternal life to begin the moment they say yes to God. So quickly, the next and so we quickly run through, 
And we see how God created. You can read faster than I can. And, and they fell into disobedience. He chose Abraham and the Israelites. And, and they couldn't do it. They, they tried to do Adam and Eve failed. Everybody failed. And this is repeated again and again. And God chose the Israelites just because he chose them. You know, you know the story, some of you. And the prosperity that God gave them and the blessing that he promised to his children because God is a God that loves to bless. But he's also a God that's holy. And he's a God that's righteous. And he says, and as I am pure, I want you to be pure. As I am generous and give, I want you to be the same way. So I quickly read in, in uh, one of the many, many prophets in the Old Testament. And I turn to Micah. And my uh, iPad says Nahum. And I say, how did that happen? <laughs> so let's turn to Micah chapter 5, verse 6. Let me read. The Lord's case against Israel. This is a prophet in the, towards the end of the Old Testament. And listen to what the prophet of God, Micah, says to these people. Listen to what the Lord says, Micah said to them. Stand up and plead my case before the mountains, and let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He's lodging a charge against Israel. And here it is. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt, and I redeemed you from the land of slavery. And I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. And my people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, king of son of Beor, answered. And remember your journey, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. What shall I, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? That would be the value in that agricultural society. They're talking about the worth that they had at that time. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And here's the verse, Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, or O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And that's how we should live. And we can only do that in the power of his Son, our Savior Christ. Next slide. So as a Christ follower, Jesus becomes our Savior. He's the Christ, and he's our Lord. And so we, we share about what he has done in our lives. This is the uncompromising heart of biblical proclamation. You can read the slide. This is not a claim about Christians or about Christianity as a religion. 
When you go out into the world affirming that Jesus is Lord and Christ and Savior, it's not some arrogant claim about ourselves or what wonderful religion we have. It's simply our acceptance of the testimony of both the Old and New Testaments about the one true living God and about how and where and through whom this one God has acted to bring salvation to us and the whole world. And that testimony in the Old and the New Testament is founded on historical events and a historical person. So then, let's turn to the next slide. So then, what he demands from us and from me, which has changed the whole course of my life from college days on, and I embarked on a life that I never dreamed I'd live, but have not been regretful that I've lived the life that I've lived around the world. I have no choice but to make him known. I want to devote, you will serve some God. And I submit to you, serve a God who died for you and loves you and wants you to live with him forever in heaven. And you can have that peace in your heart the moment you say yes to him. Believe me. He wants to guide our day-to-day -day experience. And then you see what he does. He generates our agenda. We don't anymore because we call him Lord. I grappled with this at your age. I said, I know better than God. That was fairly immature. I thought I'm smarter than God. I will figure it out. And I will do what I think is best for me. And he continued to speak to me in my life. Because he wants to generate your agenda and establish your priorities and reshape your worldview and transform your behavior. And that will make you look pretty different at West Virginia University. And he's to become the driving mission in your lives. And that's exactly what we're talking about with Live Dead. Let's go on. So it's not something that's personal or private. We're not talking about a religion. We're talking about a relationship with God. This is something whole, whole, totally different. And I hope that you discover that or are in the process of doing that. And you will not be disappointed. That will not preclude you from sacrifice or suffering. But I can tell you that the way of Satan is hard. And the wages of sin or doing your own thing is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And you'll say, well, everybody's going that other way. Jesus forecasted that. He said the way to destruction is broad and many will go that way. But the way to eternal life is narrow and he said in his own words, few will find that way. And I am here tonight, and I'm so thankful you are here tonight to tell you, go the way of the few. Because if God blesses you, it's so you can bless others. If God redeems you, it's so you can demonstrate redemptive grace to others. And if God loves you and feeds you and clothes you, then go and do likewise to others. 
Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you will speak to these students right now. I cannot convince anybody on earth to go this way. But I ask you, O oh God, in this moment, to talk and speak into the hearts and wills of every person in this room. If you enjoy God's forgiveness, then you make sure you forgive others. My time's up. Let's turn to the picture. Turn, turn to the picture. Must be me. <laughs> Granddaughter. Son-in-law who's German. He's on the end of that picture. He's a psychology professor. He's a rock climber. He does one-arm chin-ups. He's a world-class sailor. His dad's rich. He doesn't want his dad's company of architects and engineers. He spent his time down in Sudan in Khartoum with my daughter, Stephanie, teaching in an un-air-conditioned classroom at 115 degrees. The Sudanese government laughed at him, and they denied them a visa, and they got some money for both teaching. Uh, my daughter has two master's degrees, an undergrad degree in violin performance from Boulder, Colorado. And they charged them a fine, $700 a month, for not having a visa, which they wouldn't give them. You learn how to forgive. They worked under the man that started this Live Dead, who tonight is in Corpus Christi speaking. And last month they were in Sudan, they laughed at him and gave him a visa. The last month which is useless. Denied that they even leave the city limits. But he's a different person because he's let Christ into his life who was before the foundation of this universe. And these are Palestinian refugees. Google Syrian refugees walking. Go home and Google Syrian refugees walking. And look at the thousands of people that are walking now through the rain, right now. And my son-in-law is loving these people. And he's had them, he meets with them since last November. Whereas this incredible event that's going on in Europe right now has just taken place in the last few weeks. 20,000 people got off the train in Munich, Germany, where I lived 11 years, three weekends ago. I was there. I was in Germany. I'm on the train with these people. I'm hearing a conductor argue with these people. And, I'm, and, and it's so tense in a train car, I want to get up and say, here's all the money in my pocket. Just here. Leave them alone. And this past week, my son-in-law and my daughter paid for in their weekly meeting, and 40 refugees came. And my son-in-law said, Dad, in my house, please, they're not refugees. They're friends. I said, that's God speaking through you. I said, wow. 
He said, not refugees. Don't ever use that word in my house, please. They're friends. How about you? I can guarantee you they'll arrive in Morgantown. And you'll have some choices to make. So two nights a week, he plays basketball with the guys. They're bored. Refugees have nothing to do. They're just supposed to sit in this building, that abandoned factories building. You can't imagine. I've been in them. And they just wait. And now it's getting cold. And the other night, he has them to his house. He had 40 this week. I can show you on the, on my, in my in-basket. You can read the messages. That's how I know. And they are from Iraq, and they're from Syria. And then you have the Palestinian people that lost their land in 1948, and they've been without land since that time. And there's been war with Israel, who was given some land that's even prophesied. It's complicated. The world's complicated. And this guy is an educated math teacher, and he walked. He took a boat. He walked across Turkey. He's from the city in Syria where the revolution began four years ago. And he fled. And he left behind his wife and his daughter, four days old. He just caught, they just caught up with him two weeks ago, 19 months later. She is a financial analyst from a bank in Saudi Arabia. She's also Palestinian. She's a beautiful lady. And they're cousins, and they met at a family reunion and got married. They have another daughter so traumatized, and she's as beautiful as, as her mother. She's a first grader. She's on the other side of Hannes, and she refuses to have her picture taken. She's in German school, doesn't know a word. And there's 40 people eating at their, in their garden. They don't fit in their apartment. And they're feeding them all the salads and meat and all the stuff they buy. They pay for it out of their own pocket. Other people say they're going to help, and nobody's given a cent. They just talk. If we can talk, that's the easiest thing to do is talk. And they're Iraqi, and they're Palestinian, and they're Syrian. And if you know anything about Islam, there's a division between the Sunni and the Shi'i over who was his successor to Muhammad, and they wouldn't even talk to each other. They wouldn't even talk to each other. Well, I'm past my time, so I'm going to stop. But there's one more picture. It sits on the desk of the Joint Chief of Staff of the United States Armed Forces. His name is Martin Dempsey. He retired the end of this month. In that box, on pieces of paper are all of the service people that died under his command. That's what's in that box right there. He had this box made, and you put on it, make it matter. And these are people that have died for your and my freedom. They're dying. And they may be some of your family. I, I, some of my my friend's children are in that box and are shattered forever. He said, wherever I go at his retirement ceremony, that box will be with me. And wherever I have a desk, it will be on that desk. 
and that is really touching. But live dead is about dying too. And I could tell you some of those people are going to die. So my final word to you is make it matter. Uh, are we supposed to sing some music now or something? Okay, let's do the music.